Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. August 13th, 2010, Frankel wins for the first time at Newmarket, beginning an incredible run of 14 wins. All great streaks start somewhere, so start your own with Betfair's free bet streak. Simply bet £20 on the exchange this week and get a £5 free bet. If you win with a free bet, you'll get another. It's that simple. Free bet streak from Betfair. Weekly opt-in, back all exchange bets, placed Monday to Sunday. Minimum odds, £1.55 free bet awarded at Bet Settlement. Valid for 72 hours, T's and C's supply, 18 plus, begambleaware.org. The Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by AtTheRaces.com, your ultimate resource for finding winners. Welcome on to the Final Furlong Podcast. Thank you for downloading the show. All aboard the gravy train as we record a day earlier than normal due to the high quality of racing ahead of us on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and indeed Sunday. I'm your host, Demis Kennedy, joined as usual by the excellent Mr. Rory DeLarge. Well, hello. Fan favorite and man who's been crushing the winners, Mr. James Norris. Hello, how are you, Emmett? Good to have you back on, my friend. Let's look at the Dante, first of all, shall we? Uh, no more derbies left, but there's still a Dante. Highest ground is the favourite for Sir Michael Stead, Oshin Murphy, and the Niarchos family. A son of Frankel, and a horse that I really, really like. He is short odds on with most bookmakers, but with the Bet for Exchange, he is currently 10 to 11. Cormorant for Aidan O'Brien is currently 13 to 2, and uh, 7.0 and 7.5 in the Bet for Exchange. And then you've got Thunderous. Uh, this looks a very interesting race. I'm really keen on highest ground. However, Rory, he is odds on. Um, Oshin Murphy's been snapped up for the ride. James Doyle uh, riding the Coolmore horse. Maybe Aidan O'Brien's horse is being a little bit forgotten here. Uh, no, no, I don't think he has. Um, strictly speaking, he's got he's got um, the best form in the race. Um, or, or, or a better form rather than, um, than highest ground. But... Um, he did. He very much got the run of things when winning the Darren's time. Um, various other horses behind him weren't at their peak, given where it came. Uh, it came, you know, on the 9th of June. Um, we know that a lot of Aidan O'Brien's horses were um, uh, were a little short. He wasn't um, at the Blinkers on for the first time. Um, made most. At a, I mean, in fairness, it's not. It's not. It's not poor form. Um, but we definitely saw the, the best off him on the day. Um, he got the perfect ride from Pori Peggy in France, um, and he, he held on uh, to win all out, it seemed to me, from Russian Emperor. I think Russian Emperor improved a lot to win it at Royal Ascot next time. I don't know if you don't think so, if you think that you know he was showing the same sort of form, then you'd rate Cormorant a little bit highly, a little bit more highly. But um, you know, in, in terms of how the third and fourth have run, for example, um, that I think ties the form down a little more. Um, and I'm inclined to think that Cormorant was... Although, you know, not a horse you want to ignore entirely. I think he was slightly 
uh, flattered by being more forward than the runner-up on the day. Um, and I'm, I'm more than happy to um, to agree with you in this. When we did a we, we did a, a short um, horse to follow um, section a month ago, um, and I was I was very keen on highest grind. I'm sure um, I'm sure James was as well. I haven't seen him last season. He was a really impressive winner um, on his debut at Leicester, despite doing everything wrong in that race, missed the break badly. Um, the fact that he traded 90 in running in that novice gives you an idea of how badly placed he was after a couple of furlongs. He was also on the wrong part of the track as well and came through not just to win, but to win really easily and ease down in the end by two and three quarter lengths. That looked impossible after two furlongs. Um, and Martin Down as, as a potentially very smart horse indeed. Um, and uh, we had to wait until fairly recently to see him run in a, in a novice at Haydock, and it wasn't an ordinary novice either. Um, he ran into a horse with a big reputation in Valdkonig and uh, beat him comprehensively, despite the fact that Valdkonig had pretty much had the run of the race. Um, again, as we touched on in our last podcast, some people might describe Valdkonig now as a little bit disappointing, given he had a big reputation after that, that spectacular win on debut. But of course, his form is working out as well. He was, he was um, odds on, Odds on to beat Mishrif and Vulcan Star in the new market stakes. Uh, a lot of people were, were um, keen to slag him off after that. Um, but that form looks pretty good now. Vulcan Star went and won the uh, listed race at the, at the next new market meeting over the same course and distance. And Mishrif, of course, has gone and won the French Derby. Um, so that form looks absolutely top notch now. Um, Alazi, who was fifth, is favourite for. Um, uh, for another race, we're going to be talking about later on as well, the uh, the Bahrain Trophy at Newmarket. Um, and it just looks it looks uh, terrific for him. So Val Koenig then went, and on the basis of, of um, how that form had started to work out, he was again odds on um, to beat Highest Ground, who we haven't seen for quite a while. Um, and he had the run of the race, Val Koenig, but Highest Ground was by far the better horse in the end, one by two and a half lengths. The pair of them pulled a long way clear, and not just a long way, a long way clear of... Uh, potentially a nice horse in Merston and third who runs tonight at Newbury. Um, so again, by the time you're listening to this podcast, um, if you if you pick it up tomorrow, you, you'll have picked up one or two more clues um, as to what's going on here. I thought Merston could run pretty well at, at Newbury tonight. Um, I think that's very good form. Yes, it only came in a class five novice, but you know you have to be really stuck in the notion of class um, not to have noticed what a good performance that was. Um, that might as well have been a listed race. Um, and Tyus Brown won it very well, only his second start. He's going to improve a chunk more from it. Um, I can't get away from, from him in this race, and I think he's justifiably an odds-on favourite. Oh, I love it, Rory. I love it when you're very confident about a horse that I, I really like. Um, I was a little bit nervous coming into this, given the fact that Aiden's sending over a uh, Darren's Town winner. We have the Bally Saxon Dundalk. Uh, this weekend, by the way, and um, thunderous in there as well for Mark Johnson. But I loved what this horse did on debut, as Rory said. I absolutely loved him last time out as well. I, I had backed him for the Derby, Ugh. but he is a, a typical Sir Michael Stout horse. He, he's going to be back next year, assuming he stays fit and well, hopefully. And the world could be his oyster. I'd be disappointed if he was beaten here, James. Yeah, I think a lot of people would be. Um, I wouldn't disagree with anything Rory said. Um, the only thing that might be worth pointing out is this sort of suggestion that Val Koenig doesn't really want that 10 furlongs and is, is, he's really a miler so it potentially wasn't as fantastic a display as it looked but I think that would be a little bit harsh on the Haydock form um, the only thing I, w- I would mention is, is Al Madar he's a horse I really liked last season he won a maiden at Newmarket about a year ago that worked out unbelievably well 
Um, never didn't see him again afterwards. So he had a lot of time off before his return at Newbury last month. And I get the sense he's taken a while to come to hand and he's a bit of a stuffy horse. So even though he wasn't particularly impressive um, in beating in Cypher, he takes him again here. I just think he's a horse who's got a lot of upside and maybe he's a lazy horse who just does enough. And even though he's got quite a bit to find even now with the highest ground, I think there's just a chance he's better than he looks. And he's quite a big price in here. I, I would fancy him to beat Cormorant. He's, 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 he's potential bet, um, possibly in a reverse forecast with the favourite. Currently trading at 10.0 on the Bedford Exchange, uh, Al Madar. And uh, we all know that I love a reverse forecast as well. That's a look at the Dante. It's whatever way you want to approach that race, it's going to be a very, very fascinating race to, to watch. And uh, the horse that Rory mentioned that runs tonight, if you're listening in time, is Merson. And that horse runs in the 710 tonight at Newbury, uh, where. James Norris is not too far away from. We'll move on to the Bahrain International Sir Henry Cecil stakes, seeing as Rory mentioned it. Lord Campanari is currently your favourite at 7-5 to five on the Betfair Exchange, 11-8 uh, to eight generally. And then Magical Morning, Al-Salel and Mystery Power. Uh, James, you can kick us off on this one. Uh, the race named in honour of the late great Sir Henry Cecil. What's your thoughts? I think it's a fascinating race, actually. Um Lord Campari is probably about the most impressive winner we've seen all season so far at Newbury last time. He absolutely blitzed the field and it was quite a good field as well. Um, Zar was second, who, uh, who's a very well-regarded and well-bred horse for, for John Gosden and Judmont. He came out and won quite easily earlier this week, I think, and the last week at, at Windsor. Um, King Ferry was third. That went to one at Hamilton, albeit it was a bit workmanlike, but you know, but second and third both come out and won and Lord Campari was absolutely different league to them ran away with the race and I think a lot of people got excited about him and he you know if he steps forward at all from that he's going to take a lot of beating here and, and for the rest of the season but there are again other very interesting runners in here you know Al, Al Hale was disappointed in the guineas but his form as a two-year-old was quite strong even though I, I'm not convinced he's that desperate to win the race you know he, he um, seemed to sort of failed to go through with it in the Solario and a little bit in the autumn stakes, but you know, it's very solid two-year-old form. And I wouldn't be surprised if he was in the mix again here. Um, Magical Morning's quite similar type to Lord Campari and he's very well bred. He's from, he's out of the Lark, you know, that, that family of Eagle Top and Sariska. He wouldn't mind a bit of rain. Um, I think Frankie used his experience last time at Doncaster to see off another nice, nicely well-bred horse, Hydros. Um, he's got a lot of upside. He could really improve and, um, Take, take on horses like Lord Campari and again Tilsit's another one he, he was beaten by a, a reasonable looking sort of shake hand down Al Salt on debut at Newcastle right at the start of June Al Salt's come out and won since and then he went back to Newcastle in, in a similar albeit you know significantly weaker race and absolutely bolted up by 19 lengths um, he's quite interesting to, uh, you know, see how his price goes because there's, there's a bit of footage on that the race's twister I think from a drone of him you know, being alongside at front of that field and then just quickening in a couple of strides, he was miles clear and then he really took a long time to pull up. So he's another one we don't really know how good he is. I mean, there's, there's probably three in here we don't know how good they are now and how good they could be. Um, and they all could be very, very good, but it's, it's, it is difficult to get away from the impression that Lord Campari left at Newbury in a race that has worked out very, very well already. I tweeted about that um, because I, I love the visual impression that was created and I quite like the use of drones and I think they should be used more. Um, and, and he was stunning. 
he was absolutely stunning to win by, by 19 links, but you're, you're spot on, James. The fact that they couldn't pull him up afterwards. And Ben Curtis is a very good jockey. That was really interesting. Ryan Moore comes in for the ride for Charlie Hills on Tilsit. Um, Roy Delargy, your thoughts? Yeah, uh, tough one. Tilsit was was really impressive. In in you know, it, it was almost a trial for him. He wasn't beaten in an awful lot, but um, very few horses win in the race by by nineteen lengths um, on the flat over a mile. Um, and you'd have to um, you have to respect his chances. But yeah, Lord Campari is one of those. He absolutely um, blew everyone away who watched that race in Newbury. It was it was virtually unbelievable. Um, I guess the the only issue I have with both of those performances is. I don't think either horse was, was holding anything back. Um, and it's difficult to know exactly how many, how much horses like that are going to improve um, from, from one run to the next. And sometimes the most spectacular um, performances first time out or, you know, or on, on second lifetime start, as it was for both of these, um, makes you think you're going to get something huge. Well, look at, again, getting back to Valkonik, his, his um, debut win was, was visually spectacular. Um, and then everyone expects... You're going to you're going to get the same kind of improvement you would uh, with something that that's um, not been asked to uh, to stretch in the same sort of way, and sometimes it's not there. It's it's often enough to to keep winning anyway. Uh, and I I certainly I can't claim to find any chink in the armor of Lord Campari, but we've only got the one run really to judge him by, um, which was um, uh, which was spectacular. Uh, and clearly it's very good form. And as, as Jim said, it's worked out already. Uh, I also like uh, Magical Morning. I think he will be better up and trip though. Um, he won well over a, a mile last time. I frankly made plenty of use of him, but um, there's plenty of stamina on the, the damn side of the pedigree. And although his sire was um, an exceptional sprinter, he is not really passing on speed to his offspring. Uh, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, he's, he seems to be stamina neutral. He's passing on a lot of ability. Um, uh, but a lot of them seem to stay much further than they should on pedigree. And Magical Morning, given the stamina on the damn side of the pedigree, I think um, he will show his best form up to a mile and a quarter. And he's a horse I keep on side of that kind of trip. Um, you know, the proof, the proof will be in the pudding here. But this, this is a really interesting race to watch. Um, I don't often want to have a bet on a listed race. Um, Why is that, Rory? Um, I, I find them some of the tri- uh, they tend to be very, very tricky. If you could, if you could, first of all, if you've got a, a Group One performer who's ready to race at Group One level, not many trainers choose to stick them in listed races. Um, there, there's a reason why they want to sort of take a, um, a stepping stone approach. Um, and then, by definition, you're all, you tend to be backing horses who are building up to something else. You're not, you're not. Um, you're not necessarily catching them at their at their very best, or you're finding horses who who you know don't really have aspirations to anything better than listed company, but are absolutely geared up for it. Um, and this is their level, and it's it's um, you have to sort of factor that in a little bit. And you've also got the issue of of the penalty structure as well, sort of listed and, and um, uh, group three level particularly, which can make them quite tricky. Um, and yeah, it's just it's just one of those I've, I've not I've not found a particularly happy hunting ground. Um, particularly with unexposed horses, I don't. I don't really like punting unexposed horses unless I feel that I'm getting information somewhere that's going to give me an edge. Um, and where you've maybe got two, three lifetime performances on the track um, to make a decision, it's not. It's rare you get an edge unless you rate a performance significantly higher than others do, um, and then you think that you know the horses are being underrated that you think are very, very good. Uh, and there's not there's not an awful lot of scope for that um, for me, and I don't get racing enough. Well, certainly don't get racing enough these days. One thing that does often give you an edge is seeing horses in the paddock 
making notes on on, on their uh, appearance in terms of their physical fitness and their their um, maturity in terms of behaviour as well. And then you kind of get an idea of whether horses will be very good early and then and then plateau fairly quickly, or whether you're looking at horses you think are going to keep getting better, or indeed horses who are very good but on the cusp temperamentally, and you think that one might go the wrong way. Um, but if you don't get to see them in the flesh, um, then you can't really you can't watch that behaviour in the same way um, as you would do if you're regularly there at the pre-parade and the, and the parade ring uh, for these races. And that's you know that's a tool you need to use if you have it. And if you don't have it, you've got to be aware that other people who do have that tool are using it against you. Sage advice from Rory Delargy, particularly about the nature of listed races and possibly the most important bit of information there is to put Magical Morning in your tracker. Tomorrow, Thursday, may not be the day, but there will be a day to be had. And... Uh, Hopefully we'll be landing the gravy then. Uh, the Antipos favourite this morning is out of the Musidora. This is the 240 at York on Thursday. Frankensia scoped badly and so is a non-runner. Um, luckily enough, though, for owner Khaled Abdullah, he doesn't just have one backup. He has two. Uh, Pocket Square and Recita uh, will be getting the nod instead. Uh, Recita currently 2.88 on the Bedford Exchange in your new favourite. Pocket Square 3.75 and Dubai Love is in here as well. Uh, James, I'll start with you, my friend. I think this race is a bit of a nightmare, really. Um, it was really interesting that uh, Frankie didn't... I mean, it, it seemed like Franconia and Ruchetta were going to run, and Frankie had chosen Ruchetta, which I thought was amazing, but it, I, I suspect they had a, had a, an inkling that all wasn't right at the time. Um, but I wasn't blown away by Ruchetta last time, um, or even at her debut. So I, I, I think it probably pocket square is the horse to be with here but she's going to be quite short um her form in france last year was very good beat run wild i think of who yeah, yeah. came out and won at newmarket impressively before bombing out in coronation um and she's gonna she should improve she's by night of thunder who is doing particularly well this season and i do like jason watson i do like roger charlton she's she's got everything in her favor but i i just think there's so much uh, un- quite a lot of unknown about a few of the others like Alba Flora, Barridge, Lake Lucerne even that you just it's its not a race I'm desperate to get involved in. I could hear Rory in the background and I thought you were going to come in there Rory. <laughs> uh, Pocket Square is the horse that I quite liked as well so I'm glad to hear James give her the nod even though he's like me uh, proceeding with a note of caution on this race. It's a bit of a minefield Rory. It is. This is the problem as I, as I sort of hinted at earlier on with with um, uh, almost any race involving two and three year olds at the moment, um, you've largely got this season's form to go on, and you've only you've only been starting since June, um, and there are a lot of horses who you know will improve markedly for a run, and a lot who would have been absolutely uh, spot on um, early in June, and who, who won't necessarily improve an awful lot. So it's 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 harder to read than it would be for most seasons because um, it'd be slightly more pattern to the form. So I'm. I'm uh, Slightly wary as a rule, but I quite like this race because um, I thought Pocket Square was a, was a very solid proposition, and I don't oh. really have a problem with their price because uh, everyone is assuming that Richetta is the um, the owner's first string, which I think is a is a very odd decision to come to, um, uh, based on the fact that Frankie the Tory rides. Well, Frankie obviously wouldn't be riding Pocket Square anyway. Um, Frankie's on Richetta instead of um, Franconia, and James makes makes um, a very valid point. The chances are 
he chose her not because he preferred her to Franconia, but because of the big die by Franconia running, which has now been confirmed. Because um, you don't just you don't um, scope them all. You don't scope your watches every day. Yeah. So she scoped badly. It's because they expected her to scope badly, uh, and they, you know they had they had concerns, um, and the scope was like you know will she be all right? I don't think they expected her to to make it to the race, but they were they were sort of flying by the seat of the pants and they wanted to run her here. Um, so, but I think the, the reason Frankie was on Richetta was because of that. Um, and now it looks like she's the first string over Pocket Square, and that's that's a um, uh, you know there's a false equivalence in there. Uh, comparing the two of them when it's essentially a um, a choice that Frankie made between a probable non-runner and uh, another one from the Gosden Yard. So there's no first, second string about Richetta and Papa Square to me. Um, I, I suppose it's it's slightly unusual that the owner um, had three declared in this race. It's not like uh, Khaled Abdullah tends to go mob-handed into races. But she's got the best form of Papa Square. There's no doubt about it in my mind. Um, she's also proven on firm ground and on heavy ground. Um, and that's that's hugely important to me. It shows that you know that uh, she's not grind dependent. Um, and if you're able to show good form uh, on a, on you know a variety of surfaces, it kind of under underlines the class that you have. She was very impressive in winning a novice at um, an Ascot on her second start, um, in not not beating any superstars as such. But you don't get bad races uh, at Ascot, and, and um, she cleared uh, away from them in in very good style, one by three and a quarter lengths in the end, despite the fact that the race wasn't run at a particularly um, frenetic gallop, so it, it underplayed her superiority in the end. She then went to uh, to Deauville uh, for the Prix de Reservoir, and she won again uh, comfortably by a length and a half from Run Wild. That form looked pretty good at the time, but it looks better now because Run Wild came out and, and uh, won the listed pretty polystakes in very good style um, on uh, well, not her next start, but two starts later, now first time out this season. Um, they, they were uh, well clear. They were three less clear of the third. He was seven less clear of the fourth in that group three. Um, that's very solid form. She will come on for, you don't, how many horses have you seen from Roger Charlton Yard who don't train on from two to three? Pretty much nil um, because he doesn't push his, his two-year-olds particularly. Uh, if he's got a good horse, he looks after them um, and they tend to be at their best. Um, you know, mid to late season as, as three-year-olds doesn't, doesn't have to push them particularly hard early season either. So the fact that she's done so much so far is, is a big positive. Um, she's also um, by a sire who was, you know, who was effective with a range of ground. He was effective in heavy ground as well, Night of Thunder, um, but also effective on a, on a very quick surface. And of course, a classic winner, uh, beating Kingman. Uh, and he's turned into a very good sire already. He's going, he's going to be absolutely top notch, Night of Thunder. He's already made a big, big impact. Um, and he's only a young sire. Uh, and we're going to get rain, you know, from what I can gather, we, we could up, up to. Um, 15 or 16 mils of rain tomorrow morning alone and that will turn the ground soft there's no doubt about it you don't get that much rain and not affect the going sometimes you can see it's drizzling a little bit outside and you assume the going's changing um, and sometimes it doesn't make a huge difference that um, you know a light drizzle for, for an hour or so but if you're if you're seeing that the heavens open um, and over half an inch coming down that will change the going and we know that she's got no problem on, on testing ground and it will be a problem for, for some of her rivals without the shadow of a doubt Pocket Square three of us going for Pocket Square and uh, currently 9 to 4 General is the price for her and that's the 240 at York we'll switch back to Newmarket and Rory Delargy's favourite topic of flat racing this season 
juveniles. Two-year-olds. Can't wait to get stuck into this race, Rory. Tattestall's July Stakes, 3 o'clock Newmarket. The current betting sees Kadar, second in the Coventry Stakes at Royal Ascot at 3.5 on the Betfair Exchange. Uh, Tactical, winner at Royal Ascot for the Queen, 3.75. And Swiss Ace for Aidan O'Brien with Ryan Moore on board, 6.0. Given it's the topic and the division that you want to talk about most, Rory, you can't wait to get the the loot down on this race. What's your thoughts on the July Stakes, my man? I am I am Freddie Keenan Carter. He's a horse that, that I like. Another son of Night of Thunder. Um, so again, there's there's Rian. That shouldn't be a massive worry for him. His his runs so far have come on good. He was very impressive, visually very impressive on debut at Newbury. Um, put up a good time as well in making all the running. And I thought he didn't lose an awful lot um, when the second to Nando Parada. I think some people will probably knock the Coventry form because when it was 150 to one on the day, but mm. um, you know that was it was a bizarre price. Um, in retrospect, for horses showing a lot of ability on his debut and being very badly drawn at Newmarket when other horses with a similar profile were being quite heavily backed for juvenile races um, at the meeting. Um, so, you know, there seems to be plenty of strength and depth. Um, the form, you know, it hasn't been tested much since then, but Dark Lion came out and won um, next time out, uh, who was fourth on the day. Um, I thought I thought Carter shipped um, as well as anything um, in the race and also um, he just looks like there's going to be more to come from him you know one thing I struggle with with early season two rules is you know Royal Ascot comes very early in the season particularly so this year um, and trainers are uns- unsurprisingly and owners indeed keen to um, to you know turn their two rules into stars and get a big winner on the board at the Royal Meeting when a lot of these horses will need a little bit more time and sometimes you get horses who are very precocious who um, show the ability to win group races early on and then never really um, go on from that. Um, and you're saying, you know, you're not entirely sure which ones are, are uh, I'll stop probably the wrong word to use, but you know, which, which horses are just really forward and really precocious and which ones are really classy. And Cardio strikes me as being a horse who, who's, he doesn't fit the precocious bill. He's obviously um, ready early enough, but he's, he's physically impressive. He's got size, he's got scope, um, and he the way he races also suggests that he's going to keep improving through the season as well. So I liked him a lot, um, and I'd have no I'd have no hesitation putting him forward for this race for all that I won't be I won't be um, uh, sticking fortunes in any juvenile race. I thought I thought he was a very solid option, and he's one of the few horses I put in my notebook off the juveniles from Royal Ascot. I was looking at the stats of podcast that we've done. It was 14 days ago that we recorded our Royal Ascot review. 19 days will be the official time since Qatar ran at Royal Ascot. It feels like it was two months ago because there's so much high quality racing and so much to be excited about. But Royal Ascot was literally 19 days ago when Qatar runs tomorrow. And um, that's just a bit mad. Uh, he was a horse that we, we really liked from the Coventry. Uh, James, are you going to make it a clean sweep for Qatar? Yes, I think so. Um, he was he was really impressive at Newbury, as Rory said, and he he's, he was green there. He veered off to the left on, as he approached the winning line, and I think he showed that again in the Coventry. Actually, he was running he looked like he was running around a bit on the run to the line. I just I just think if he was a bit straight or a bit more streetwise, he might actually have won that that race. Um, and I think he should keep improving, as Rory suggested. And this is this should go his way. I mean, the the worry would be, I suppose, Swiss Ace for Aidan O'Brien. He's got that fantastic pedigree for, out of Swiss Lake, who has winner after winner um, by Kingman. He was obviously turning into a brilliant selling himself. 
Uh, I'm quite interested. He's, he's as big as five to one, so that seems bigger than he you know he could be. And he wasn't favourite on debut though either, which I, I was surprised at. So perhaps he's not the potential superstar that that we that he could be. But you know, it's hard to say. Another point I'd make is for in the Windsor Castle, obviously tactical one, but he had such a dream run in that race up the rail. Um, I, I like Yazaman's debut at Yarmouth. He showed quite a lot of pace. And he, he had to come from a long way back, probably from the wrong side of the course, weaving in and out to, to make his challenge at the Windsor Castle. So I, I would expect him to reverse that form. But whether he's up to beating Carder, I, I, I doubt. And I, you know, as I said, I'd, I'd stick with you too. Yeah, I think that this is a, a good opportunity for Qadar. Swiss Ace is definitely the fly in the, fly in the ointment. Uh, the, only yeah, thing the other thing to say about Yazaman as well, of course, he's won blinkers and both starts and, and he, looked, um, he looked like he needed headgear. Mm. Um, at Royal Ascot as well obviously it was a very good performance they had to get as close as he did from where he was but he was partly responsible for where he was anyway um, you know he's, he's at the back of the field and he didn't pick up the bridle particularly well earlier on he had to be, had to be hard ridden by Tom Markman to get into potential but he showed his class um, to come home the way he did and he's clearly a very good horse but you just worry about a horse that needs blinkers very early in his two-year-old career how he's going to develop from race to race um, if he unlocks all his talent he's got a big chance that's but, a, you know, I, I suppose there's a chance he could go one of two ways. That's a good shirt, that, Roy. Um, Swiss Ace, 400,000 guineas as a yearling. Kadar, £110,000 purchase. Uh, Royal Ascot form. The Swiss Ace, I think, is is interesting and could be the flying the omen, but it's significant that Aidan O'Brien sends him over. The the horse, Tar Heel, hasn't done him too many favours. He bombed out last time out, and it's possible that they were just backing him because he had experience. But um, we shall see. We shall see. Is he... Looking at my time form, um, uh, car, I see Swiss Ace is listed as, be, as being owned just by Susan Magnier, and yet he's carrying the um, the, the Tabor colours. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think that's a mistake, and that he is actually yeah. a, a full, a full Coolmore horse. Speaking of full Coolmore horses, Dawn Rising just about heads the bed yes. with Al Assi, three point five, three point five, both, uh, and then you've got uh, Al Dabaran and Miss Yoda. 4.5 and 7.0. This is the 225 at Newmarket on Thursday. It's the Bahrain Trophy. And uh, Rory, we shall start with you. Dawn Rising has been hammered in by some bookmakers and has gone as short as 11 to 8, then been pushed out to 13 to 8, but is available at 5 to 2 elsewhere. And I believe you were taken with, very taken with this performance to the point that you might be putting a little bit of loot down. Yeah, well, I'm... I'm um, I don't want to spoil anything for readers of newspapers, but I, I put them up in the um, uh, in the Irish Daily Star uh, tomorrow. Partly because he wasn't favourite, I thought well, this should be favourite, and um, he was he was an impressive winner of a. He's a son of Galileo, trained by Edna O'Brien, who was a wide margin winner of a maiden last time out, and now comes over during the Drumna Group race. What do you think? Hmm. Uh, Where have we familiar? seen this before? <laughs> um, but. That aside from just following the uh, the, the blindingly obvious uh, uh, coincidence there, um, he was uh, again like a lot of Aidens because of the way the season has gone. He was running in a maiden um, in June and then took a big step forward on his second start um, to to win at Limerick last time out where he beat um, Yulong Pearl Island. Um, that horse is is far from useless and showed it by winning a handicap yesterday. Um, off a mark of 75. The interesting thing about that is there's three of these that have won by wide margins last time out. Don Rising was a 12-length winner. Um, Alassi won a, a novice at Newmarket by 10 lengths last time out. And um, damage control 
uh, one by four and three quarter lengths of Chepstow last time I despite jinking all the way across the track and almost colliding with the rails. Um, but the interesting thing, um, I'll compare with damage control in the first place because damage control is one of those performances you see and go, well, he's much better than the better result because um, he's, you know, he was on the far side of the track and then he's, 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 um, cocked his jaw, he's come all the way over to the stands rail. He then, you know, wanted to keep going um, and almost lost his footing. Um, and you think, well, he must be a fair bit better than the better result. Two things to point out about that race um, were that you'll hear the commentary, and I don't want to slag the commentary off, but it's, it's the kind of thing you, you would say because he's hung all the way across. The, hand, the commentator says he's lost many lengths by coming across. Well, actually, if you watch where he was in relation to the field when he started hanging to the rail, and where he was when he got to the rail, he actually gained lengths. He was by the time he got over to the to the stands rail, he was about two or three lengths clear of his field when actually he was being challenged um, when he started um, doing that. So actually, this hanging across the track doesn't always cost horses an awful lot of momentum or grind. Um, but obviously, you know he's he's got a little bit of talent. But the other thing to m- mention with that race is the horse he beat that day was rated forty. Is now rated 65, I think, um, or certainly an awful lot higher than that. Maybe, um, I think another horse rated 65, but the horse that came second had shown absolutely nothing in several runs prior to that. That was a big price. Um, so he's been a horse rated 40 by four and three quarter lengths, and you've got to put that in context. Um, Al Asi um, won by 10 lengths last time out. The runner up there is a good often horse called Shigoli. I don't know, he was well beaten on debut, well beaten um, in second last time, and I don't know how good he is. But the third horse was 300 to 1 um, at Newmarket as a horse um, with no previous form at all, um, trained by Robin Dickon, um, Royal Bassett. Um, and the interesting uh, thing there is the handicapper has, has given Royal Bassett a mark of, of um, 65 and, and Chigoli a mark of 75 in the back of that. Now, we know from... Um, um, from uh, I'm going to get on the wrong page here, but we we know from from the O'Brien horses' um, uh, collateral form that you know he won by twelve lengths. The horse he beat is good enough to win a handicap of seventy five. Whereas we don't know whether the horses that Al Asi beat last time out could could win any kind of race. And they didn't they didn't throw any challenge to him whatsoever. And although uh, they've been given ratings of seventy five and sixty five, those are purely notional. Um, you judge him better than what he did in his previous time when he was fifth in a listed race. Um, behind Mishriff, and obviously we know what Mishriff has done since, and Falcon Star, who was second that day, has won a listed race again since. So that's the race to judge our last seat by. Um, but interestingly, you know, Don Rising has won by a wide margin, and he's beaten a horse who's been good enough to win a, um, a three-year-old handicap of a mark of 75, which suggests that, you know, his true worth is somewhere in the 80s. And to be beaten a horse um, with a true rating somewhere in the 80s by 12 lengths, as he did, um, despite um, getting distracted as he went clear, um, is the sign of a very good horse. Um, and as such, I thought Don Rising was scoped to improve an awful lot, should have been a, a very short price for this. And I thought the market got it wrong in the first place. It looks like now that um, those who sort of priced it up before um, Yulong Pearl Island won are now hastily rewriting it. Um, and he probably is going to be a reasonably short priced favourite, but I think he, he fully deserves that. A full brother to the Irish Derby winner, Sovereign, as well. Uh, I'm in Total agreement with Rory. James, are you going to burst our bubble or are you joining the dawn rising gravy train? They can't all be Serpentine or Santiago, can they? I mean... They might be, you know. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm hoping he's not that. Oh, so come I on, think man. I'd, go, I'd go with Al Arzi. I thought it was so impressive last time, even though the form 
might not be as that strong. Um, and he obviously ran in the Mishriff race, um, which has worked out really well. And I just think he's going to keep improving for the step up and trip. And, the, you know, you're talking about you, you long Pearl Island, but that race he won yesterday was pretty horrible, horrible affair and heavy ground. So we don't really know how strong that, that, you know, whether that's was a particularly strong achievement, but obviously that's, that's more positive than the, what than, than, than Alzi's last time out form because they haven't had a chance to show it yet. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'd, I'd get with that Alzi and, I, I, I remember last time I was on, I think, or I tipped up Al Dabaran for the Queen's Vase. And he's, he was a bit underwhelming there, so I would, I'd probably jump off that train. And, and I think Al Azi has got, got a more attractive profile. And I'm just hoping, yeah, Dawn Rising is not another potential Group One winner. <laughs> Aiden O'Brien, copy. I, mean, a, I don't think it'll take a Group One horse to win this race. I don't um, think so either. Yeah, there have been some good winners over the years, but there've been some fairly ordinary winners as well. It's it's um, yeah, given where it falls in the calendar, it doesn't tend to be the most competitive uh, Group Three of the season. Uh, yeah, um, Rory and I are with Don Rising. James is with Alassi. Pay your money, take your choice. Maybe do the reverse forecast for an insurance bank. Don't, don't, don't do that. Forecast. It will pay nothing. It will pay yeah, exactly. zero. By the way, did you see the... Somebody tweeted about the trifecta. It wasn't the Derby. It was a, a race from the weekend. A 66 to one shot, 20 to one shot, and a 50 to one shot. Something to that effect. It was 67,000 to one. Except that on the tote, it paid 900 to one. Oh, dear God. I think I'd cry. I think I would. Did you see the dart, the derby itself? So that was fifty-five thousand tricast and twenty-nine thousand trifecta. Oh no! Last trifecta was that. And the, the problem, the problem with, with doing trifectas in this country is that you got to be aware of of what the pool size is. Yeah. It's only, there's only so much you can win in a trifecta, and therefore going for big outsiders. Um, you know, you you, you would you, if you fancy two rank outsiders in a race, you'd be better off doing them in a straight forecast than trying to trying to find something else and doing a trifecta. That's a good shout, that. Um, but no, so I don't want to, that's not. I'm not trying to slag the tilt off. No, there. not think, at all. Know, but like, I, would, I would love it. I would love it if we had really, really um, strong um, uh, exotic bet pools. Um, but the you know the way the way uh, racing is in this country, and um, you know the difference between how how things operate between here and Hong Kong, for example, or even Australia, means that those pools are not as attractive to um, uh, to ponders as. Um, as, as they are in other jurisdictions are huge. You look at, um, if you look at whenever we got a, uh, the British Cup, for example, um, or, you know, if you're ever watching any racing in, in Hong Kong or Australia, um, look at the wind pools there and then look at the exotic. The exotic pools are always, every exotic pool is bigger than the wind pool. Yep. Um, whereas here, the, the wind pools are, are fair, um, but the exotics are always much smaller. And that's, you know, you need to have bigger pools to encourage people to bet into them in the first place. It's a, it's a vicious circle. The Americans love their exotic bets, and so do I. We'll move to Friday, and Dan Dilla is running in the 225 at Newmarket, which is shaping up to be a really good race, the Duchess of Cambridge Stakes. Uh, last time out, we saw Dan Dilla winning at Royal Ascot. She was a horse that we talked about uh, in depth on the Final Forum podcast after her brilliant win in the Albany. Uh, she'll take on Timescale, and she will be taking on more beautiful as well for Aidan O'Brien, 5.5. Um, disappointing last time out. She was only beaten six lengths, to be fair, in the end, uh, in the Queen Mary stakes. But I had high hopes for her, and I retained them. 
Uh, but let's hear what James has to say, first of all. The Duchess of Cambridge Stakes on Friday, 2.25, Newmarket, my friend. Uh, I'm very keen on timescale. Um, she, she obviously hacked up on a second start at Chepstow. And then last time, I think the race she won at Newmarket was very, was well, was quite strong for the two-year-old race we've seen. Um, I know that Hannah's like concessions and she was second. Undertake was further back in third. And I think that's very useful filly for Roger Varian. And Timescale just ran away with that really quite comfortably. Um, and I just I just get the impression, I mean, maybe it's me being unfair, but I just, I wonder how good the Dandala's win was. Was there something too good to be true about it? Um, I think a few of those in behind didn't really appreciate the rain that came on before, before that day at Ascot. And I'd be... I'd be very happy to take her on with time scale because I, yeah, I was just really impressed with her last time and I thought that was a strong race. Um, there might there might be a bigger prize source potentially for an each way play or, or place play in here. Garlia for Brian Meehan. Um, she she won at Kempton only by a head, but she she quick and clear and put the race to bed and then then sort of idled quite badly and, and nearly threw it away. But she's by Frankel out of Shamuz, who was a very precocious two year old for for Brian Meehan. Um, I thought she, she was very high class when she burst onto the scene. And I think this guy, it looks like she's got a bit of her damn speed and precocity. And obviously she's got Franklin there. Uh, I just think there's a chance she's going to really improve from first to second start. So I'd be wary of her at a, at a very big price. Um, and again, talking of exotics, she might be one to throw in the exacto with timescale, but yeah, but timescale is definitely my, my my number one selection in this race. Man, I'm going to be doing so many exactors this weekend. It's going to be insane. Uh, <laughs> Kalia is currently 20.5 on the Betfair Exchange. Rory, Dandilla, was it too good to be true last time out? How do you stand on this race? I don't know. I think she deserves the benefit of the doubt in the in the short term. There's there's some, um, you know, her performance is backed up by the time figure. It's not like it was, you know. Um, uh, you can you can not perform to some degree, but she's she's she pulled six lengths clear. You know, um, if she won a maiden by six lengths, you you fancy her chances here, and she's she's going to want a, um, a, a typically a competitive Albany stakes by that margin. Um, last time out on um, on ground on the soft side as well. Uh, I said, my only real concern with her in this race is. She's drawn a stall one. Now, last year's winner came out of stall one, raffle prize, but she made all the running. And it's been, if you uh, look at some um, races over course and distance, there tends to be a bias against the against the low numbers. Um, not always the case. And it depends whether they want to stick to the rail or not, of course, and, but they often want to get up the middle of the track here. And um, statistically, a low draw is, is a negative. And I don't think that will be built into her price, certainly not at this stage anyway. Um, and that's that has to be a, a little bit of a concern, but I, I don't want to knock her her, her um, Royal Ascot performance. Yes, you can you can poke some holes in the form as such, um, but I I think because of who she's representing, um, the yard she's coming from as well, people don't want to won't want to give her the full benefit. And um, you know the, the form has already started working out. Of course, you can you can view that two ways. The form working out, you go well, obviously. Um, Mother Earth showed what she could do last time. Last time out, she clearly wasn't. Um, uh, she wasn't running to the same level when she was when she was third in the uh, in the Albany, and she was running the other side of the track. But you know, if you if you take her her um, progress being um, normal or indicative of, of uh, a high class filly, um, then she's um, she's boosted that form by by winning easily um, in the, uh, the sprint sticks uh, at Nias the other day. She's won that by four lengths. 
um, which is solid form. As I said, you can you can reverse engineer that and say, well, if if she turned up in that form at Ascot, she'd have given Dandala a real fright. Um, or you can simply say that proves that Dandala's form is very solid. Mm. Um, I'm I'm inclined to give her the benefit of the doubt in the in the short term, but I'm not keen to back something coming from Stole One at, at New Market when you could be a hostage to fortune because of that draw. And she's not going to be making the running as we saw at Ascot. She's going to be held up. So. Um, you know, the draw potentially works against her, um, but I don't. I don't want to be against her either. I'm not going to. I'm not going to force myself into having a strong opinion on on something else. Um, I, I give a quick mention to Hala Hala Hala, who I think is um, is possibly a little bit better than the form uh, than the ratings will suggest. Um, just looking at uh, at the time for figures, that she's got a, a fair bit to find, but she. Um, uh, she won nicely on debut, and I think that was a, I think that was a good race. We'll find out tomorrow early on, um, uh, given that uh, the third from that race, uh, Miss Lane never runs on the Mary Gate Stakes at York. Um, so it gives an idea of, of whether it's as, as good as it looked at the time. But I thought it looked a decent little race, um, and Hala 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 came out on top, despite the fact that she didn't look absolutely wound up for her debut. So there could be a fair bit more to come from her. But uh, you know, those are just notes more than anything else. Aidan O'Brien's taken this race twice uh, in the last four years, roly-poly and Clemmy back-to-back, and I quite like More Beautiful. Go back and watch her debut win, and she was very, very impressive. And maybe Royal Ascot just came a little bit too fast, and as Rory says, Mother Earth was really good at the weekend, so I'd be willing to give her a chance. Uh, The last race on Friday, gentlemen, is the Falmouth Stakes, the feature race of the day. Terrabellum was odds-on. Now that runners and riders are confirmed, she's on the drift. Last time out, a mighty run against Circus Maximus in the Queen and over a mile, back up to 10 furlongs, and she currently sits at 2.25 and 2.5 right now in the Bedford Exchange. One master, who has the assistance of Pierre-Charles Boudot, 5.5, uh, Nazif, 6.0, and Magic Wand confirmed for Aidan O'Brien, 8.0, with Ryan Moore in the saddle. James, your thoughts on the Falmouth stakes. Is this going to be the Group 1 for Terrabellum? Yeah, I imagine so. I, I, that form I, in the Queen Anne is surely superior to the rest. And she she was travelling all over Circus Maximus as well for, mm. for a long way in that in that race. And she just got worried out of it. But I think it was a particularly good ride by Ryan Moore on the day. And Circus Maximus is obviously a very tough tough horse. Um, I don't see what's going to beat her here. I think she's. I think Nazif had the potential to be very very good, but she only just won. Her, her Royal Ascot race. And I think if she was going to win this, she'd have found that a bit easier. One master there convinces a seven furlong filly and on mare. And, uh, you know, they keep having to switch between six and a mile and it's never quite right. So I, I don't think she's going to have enough to, to beat her. I, I'd love there to be an extra runner in here because I'm, I'm quite a fan of under the stars. I could see that being ridden out the back and picking up, picking up third at a decent price, but obviously it's only seven runners, which is a bit of a shame. I don't think but she stays. Think- that's the area. I, I, I backed her in the guineas. I thought she ran mm. really well there, but just didn't stay the trip. She was quite um, laid back last time, over seven. Yeah, I thought. But part of the reason I, I, I remember I mentioned her very late in the day on, on on Twitter, saying I'm impressed how laid back she is behind the stall. She's taken the preliminaries much better than most of these. And then of course she pops out and she pulls like a like a train through the race, <laughs> um, which didn't help. I think she is naturally laid back. Um, yeah, she, think, she was a hater. Yeah. Um, but I, I just get the impression she, she showed plenty of speed last season when she was dropping back uh, the fact that she was dropping back in trip to win the um, the October auction stakes is, is irrelevant because she was different class to her rivals there 
um, and didn't have a short best form. But I, I think seven furlongs is more likely to be her, her trip. She's a little bit like one master, although you know, with one master, we've seen time and again um, it proven that um, uh, that she is best at um, at the, the seven furlong trip. She ran very well in this last year. Um, and indeed, you know, when she runs over a mile, she looks the likeliest winner in most of her races and then just paddles a little bit in the last 50 yards. I mean, she looked like she was going to win the Queen Anne last year, um, everywhere bar the line. And she, she had voracious beaten on this this race last year and, and got, um, got worn down to be beaten in the neck. It looks a stronger race this time around. Um, so it's hard to, I must say, she's not hard to fancy, but it's hard to make a convincing case that she's going to make amends. Um it's a good it's a good contest. This Magic Wand makes it interesting. Uh, I don't think many people would have expected her to to run in the Eclipse and then and then um, turn out for this a few days later. But that's not she's she's um, uh, she's very tough and she can take a quick turnaround. Um, in fact, it might even be in her favour to have that run. But she wasn't given she was almost given a, a almost a racehorse gallop in the Eclipse. A lot of people thought she was going to be in there as, as pacemaker, which is why she was such, she was such a huge price mm. um, running up to it. Um, but she was. Um, uh, she was very much looked after for another day. I'm not suggesting she should have won the race, but she was she was not at all knocked about, and she um, she came home nicely, and um, she'll be at her best next time. So she's a player in that um, as well. Uh, and Nazif is um, um, is a filly that I like an awful lot, uh, as we, as I've said on here before. Having having not made her a selection of Royal Ascot <laughs> on the basis of being very impressed with her at Kempton, and she beat Bilston Brook. Um, she's coming on in leaps and bounds. Uh, and my worry with Tara Bellum is, is if it rains anymore because John Gosling's gone on record when she won at Newmarket first time up saying she enjoyed that really quick ground a lot more than she did the ground she raced on in France last season. Um, and therefore he's suggesting that she might be ground dependent. And some see the stars are as well. You know, they, they do have a better record on quick ground than, than, they, than they do on soft. Um, so that's the slight concern with her. But yes, the, the, the second in the Queen Anne is the best form in the race. Um, in this contest, so but no no problem with that. But actually, it is it's it's deep. You know, there's improvement to come from a few of these. I think um, I think Nazif will improve again. She has to at this level. Obviously, the um, it's a lot harder than the Duke of Cambridge. But um, I've just been impressed with her in her last three runs, and she's going the right way. And Magic Wand looks like she's going to run a big race. And then you get to the scenario where you allow Bilston Brook to go off for twenty five to one again for a for a Group One at Newmarket and wonder. Why she keeps popping up at big prices. So it's it's a really interesting race, one of the races of the week for me. If I was to push you, Rory, who would you side with? Uh, if you were to push me, I oh, what what are we doing price wise? Let me know what uh, what what price is Nazif? Nazif on the Betfair Exchange is currently six point oh. Yeah, uh, I thought she might be bigger than that. Um, Greedy guts. Well, you got to be. What price is Magic Wand? Magic Wand is 8.0. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think I could, I could be tempted by Magic Wand at that price. I, I, I think it's a race to enjoy as much as anything. You know, the, whoever you fancy behind the favourite, um, you do have to... Uh, you're playing the grind a little bit. I think if the grind comes up fast, then they're, they're all going to struggle to be Terrapellum. But if it comes up on the slow side of good, I think the market won't really react to that. And I think it probably should. I think she's almost certainly better on quick ground. So if there's more rain than, than anticipated and the ground is on the slow side, then um, uh, then I'd be I'd be happy to oppose her. If it is quick, then, you know, I might uh, put Magic Wand up as a, as a token selection, but um, I, I wouldn't be... I wouldn't be desperately keen to be against the favourite in those conditions, but 
Um, just as I said, bear in mind the grind. I don't think there'll be an awful lot of talk about it. I think people will assume that she's that she's um, she's just improving and she'll win on in any conditions. But I think Terry Bellum might be vulnerable if it's easy. That's an interesting one. The current state of the weather. So it's Wednesday afternoon. We're recording. It's lashing rain in Newmarket right now. Uh, the forecast suggests that there'll be three hours of dry weather, 5, 6, and 7 p.m. tonight, Wednesday, and then it will rain all the way through till tomorrow afternoon. Friday, they're forecasting thunder and lightning. Saturday is meant to be sunny. So it's pretty realistic that it would be soft ground tomorrow or that it can really get into well, it. Well, depends what weather forecast you're looking at, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. that was accu weather. It's, we're talking, well, yeah, I find accu weather to be not particularly accu. Um, uh, the forecast, the forecast I'm looking at is is very much a sort of um, uh, cloudy with showers type forecast, and then the, the big question is exactly how many showers are you having, and how long is it going to be overcast to dry? Um, and that's not um, uh, certainly it, it doesn't suggest there's going to be as much rainfall in in the next um, day and a half um, as there will be at York just tomorrow morning so it's an unspecified amount of rain and it may well be that it's just it just keeps the ground fresh um and they're not it, it never gets much worse than good uh, in which case that's not enough to have a very strong view but um if we're moving into good to soft territory that tends to change things keep an eye on the at the races site or the app for the latest updates on the going because it's going to be crucial particularly if you're in the terrabellum camp um, as Rory has stated we will talk about Friday and Saturday next August 13th 2010 Frankel wins for the first time at Newmarket beginning an incredible run of 14 wins all great streaks start somewhere so start your own with Betfair's free bet streak simply bet £20 on the exchange this week and get a £5 free bet if you win with a free bet, you'll get another. It's that simple. Free bet streak from Betfair. Weekly opt-in, back or exchange bets, placed Monday to Sunday. Minimum odds of £1.55 free bet awarded at bet settlement. Valid for 72 hours. T's and C's apply. 18 plus. BeGambleAware.org. July Cup is the feature race of the entire weekend, and it should be a cracker on paper. Uh, Golden Horde, Royal Ascot Hero, 5-2. to two. Skeptical. Travelled like a Royal Ascot hero is currently nine to two on the Bedford Exchange. Hello, Yum Zane, who is the Royal Ascot hero uh, from the Diamond Jubilee, is eleven to two best price on the Bedford Exchange. And then Kadeem, who ran there as well, and Threat, who is rerouted from France for this race, and that's confirmed, is coming in at around about eleven point zero with Oshin Murphy on board, as he was last time out at Royal Ascot uh, for the team. James, we'll start with you. This is a fascinating renewal of the July Cup. I'm not entirely certain that, as much as I like Skeptical, that he deserves to be... In fact, I don't think he should be a shorter price than Hallo Yumzane, but what's your thoughts on the July Cup? Yeah, I agree. It's a, it's a fascinating race. Um, the, the top four the, the top four in the market are all very solid, I think, and they're quite difficult to split, really. Uh, I'd be looking at whatever turns out to be the, the biggest price. I think I think you're, you're right. Hello Yumzane should uphold the form of Skeptical especially um, here. I think Skeptical should probably drop back to five furlongs for, for mm. it if it wants to win a group one. See it can avoid Batash. Um, but I, I love the way Cardem travelled in that race in Diamond Jubilee. And, you know, if, if there's a sense that he might have just needed that run or is a bit fresh, got that freshness out of him here, there's a chance he could um, see it out a bit better and, and really put it up to Hello Yumzain again and 
Um, but then there's obviously the wild card in there, I think, as you mentioned, Threat, who travelled so strongly in the St. James Palace stakes, which I think was a really good renewal. And he just got into a sort of unnecessary battle with Royal Doorknock, who's holding him out, holding out early on, which is where the, I think the team tactics angle came from, from Sheikh Fahd. Um, but he, he saw him off and he turned in and looking like he was going to be a real danger and then probably just didn't stay. And I think dropping him back to six here is a, is a sensible option ahead of taking on Pinatubo again, even at, even at seven furlongs. And given his two-year-old form is so sort of similar in its, in, to, to Golden Horn, Golden Horde, um, he, he would be quite tempting at a, at a relatively big price. I could see him getting backed as well. But it's, it's very tif- difficult to call and I think it'll depend... Right now, I think it's difficult to pick one out. I, I could see the prices changing, money coming for some and, and others drifting. And so I'd, be, I'd just be tempted to keep watching. And I, I suspect Cardem will end up being forgotten a little bit. And he could could be my selection in the end. But, you know, it's very difficult to spit all, all, all five of those, really. So is it fair to say then that you think Hello Yumzain should be a shorter price, but that your shortlist would be Threat and Cardem? I think so at this stage. I just I just think they're going to be the, the, the bigger prices and... I could give it. I could. I would not be surprised if any of those won. Um, and I'd, I'd be happy to take on Golden Horde just because it's going to be quite short. I suspect. Yeah, I'm. Um, the, I'm the same. And it's hard to differentiate that. You know how, how strong the Commonwealth Cup was compared to Diamond Jubilee. I, I just. I, I. You know, it's very hard to call. I think. And right. I just. I like. I like the wild card angle of threat and the and the way card M travelled. Those sort of hard to measure factors. Like I. I I'm always interested in. Depending on the prices, I think that they're where I'm looking at the moment. I found it difficult to get away from KDM yesterday when I was going through this race, but I ended up with Hallo Yumzain and staying with him. I think if Jim Crowley can get KDM to relax and get him settled, he'll, he'll be interesting. But I just thought... I think you can go around in a circle here, can't you? It's just you kind of can, very... yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a bemusing race. Threat concerns me in the sense that they were very keen to go for the Prejean Prat and then Pinatubu rocks up and they're like, no we're going to go for the July Cup instead, but we'll see. Um, I think Hallo Yumzen is the horse I'll be sticking with, but I'm, I'm very interested in your thoughts on Threat and, and KDM, and I'm intrigued to hear what Rory's going to say as well. So your thoughts on the Darley July Cup, my friend? Uh, yeah, largely reflect what's been said already, to be honest, um, and it may well come down to um, uh, come down to prices here, but I, I, I need, um, I need a fair bit of enticement to drag me away from Golden Horde. Ooh. Uh, yeah, it's a very, very likable colt. Um, and again, if you sort of if you revisit his two-year-old campaign, you know, um, it was it was one of those whatever he did last year was going to be a bonus. Although he was he was um, uh, forward enough to be competitive in, in group races from from the summer onwards, um, he he didn't he didn't strike you as being purely a two-year-old that season, and. Um, he proved that point um, by winning the Commonwealth Cup. Um, I thought he was. I thought he was impressive that day. Um, the um, his time figure for the same course and distance is better than than Hello Yumes in, um, and they raced in similar style. Maybe Golden Horde had had um, had things more his own way than Hello Yumes in did. Um, Hello Yumes in had to. Um, uh, you know, he, he didn't lead through wide. He he um he was usurped for the lead um, at a certain stage and then came back again. And that race was run at a, at a slightly overly strong pace. Um, and therefore, um, you'd expect the um, 
uh, the speed figure, the time figure for for the race to suffer slightly in comparison. Um, but Golden Horse um, was was um, just, as I said, very very thoroughly straightforward, um, very professional on the day. Um, we know well. We tend to see Kimari only at um, only out in Royal Ascot, um, but she damn near won. Uh, the Queen Mary last year, and that was that ended up being being very good form. Um, and again, she looked very good, and the pair of them came came a fair way clear for a race of that nature. You know, there were there, it was a big field, and um, the front two were two and a half lengths clear. So you know, Golden would take Kamari out, and, and he won by four lengths from um, from Ventura Rebel. And I know the the third and fourth were big prices, um, and there was there was a bit of a draw bias um, on the day. Um, I particularly thought that Millai, who was fifth, was was um, disadvantaged by racing in the centre of the track when the others were were near side. We also saw races at the time at the meeting where um, horses were winning from stall one, um, and it just you know it, it it helps. It certainly sometimes helps um, to have horses drawn together to be able to help each other race in a in a group. Um, but I didn't think there was any any hint of him being flattered by it, um, Golden Horde. And again, you. He's got form at Newmarket as well. He's got very, very good form um, at Newmarket. Is second in the uh, in the middle parts and is an excellent run um, last season. Came fairly late in the season for him, given he'd been on the go for a while. But um, splitting Earthlight and, and Summer Sands, you know, with the likes of Threat and Lope Fernandez and uh, Monarch of Egypt behind him that day. You, well, I was going to say he can knock off form. Obviously, you can always knock form by basically saying, well, clearly. Threat didn't run up to his very best form, and Lobby Fernandez didn't run to his best form, nor did Monarch of Egypt. But you know, when you get a race where, where half the runners don't run to form, there's often a reason that's um, uh, that's making it difficult for horses to to give their run. And, and horses who um, are able to belie that are um, uh, rather than just knocking them for running so well, I think you should give them extra credit for it at the times. And Golden Horde is one of those. He didn't run a bad race at all last season. He's trained on very well. Um, you know the collateral form of his races have worked out. Um, his speed figures look very good. He's he improved again to win a Royal Ascot. Um, you know he handles the track. Obviously, really mild rather than the July course, but Newmarket will not be a problem for him, and it, and it may be a problem for one or two in the race. Um, so I don't, you know, I don't want to be getting involved in them at too short a price, but it's going to take something to convince me to um, to go against him. So he's. Joined top rated on official ratings of 118 with Hallow Yumzain, and he gets the age allowance. So I can certainly see it, um, but it's Hallow Yumzain yeah, for me. In fairness, bear in mind with the age allowance, that, that's, that's accounted for in the official ratings anyway. True, true indeed. Yeah, it's, it's something people, you know, it, it sounds like a blindingly obvious thing to say, but sometimes you subconsciously add it on again. Mm. Um, but official, official ratings... Um, take account for weight for age. Um, and it's quite an interesting way of, of um, establishing horses' uh, um, progress um, through the, the diminishing weight for age as the season goes on, whether or what is actually continuing to improve to, um, to live up to its rating or whether it's precocious and therefore maintaining its form but becoming less competitive. Uh, Aidan O'Brien has won the last two renewals of this race will be represented by Southern Hills and none of us care uh, Golden Horde for Rory Hello Yumzain for me and uh, a short list of KDM and Threat to keep an eye on if KDM drifts for James Norris it's going to be a fascinating race 
And I think Southern Hills might win though. Yeah, exactly. I was just going to say that. that actually. Now, now what happens is Southern Hills comes along and Aidan O'Brien completes the hat trick, and there's egg all over faces and humble pie once again tastes absolutely vile. Speaking of Aidan O'Brien, his only juvenile winner at Royal Ascot this year was Battleground in the Chesham Stakes, and he's out again in the Superlative Stakes on Saturday. He currently heads the betting on the Betfair Exchange at around about nine to four. Uh, after that, you're looking at Seventh Kingdom. Hudson River is in there, but we don't think he's going to run. And Master of the Seas is a confirmed runner for Charlie Appleby and William Buick. And Charlie Appleby has taken, I believe, if I'm right, uh, yeah, he's won two of the last four renewals of this race. James, we'll start with you. Battleground trying to follow up his Royal Ascot win in the superlative stakes. Gustav Klimth took this race. Can he follow in his hoof steps? Uh, I, I suppose he, he could. He's so, so well-bred and he was impressive at Ascot, but it was a pretty rank Chesham, I thought. It was. Um, the, second, the, the second has Shouldn't won. Have been run. Shouldn't yeah. have been run. <laughs> said that before the, pretty much before the season started. You did. He yeah. said, if they're going to have the Royal Ascot meeting, fine, but don't run the Chesham. Yeah, I mean, the, the second did win, I think, yesterday. But obviously, that was a two-run race at the end, and it made incredible hard work of it. And there's little to be excited about in behind, especially with modern news sort of seemingly not handling the ground or just bombing out completely. Um, so I would be very happy to take him on, even though, you might, as, you, as you say, you might end up with egg on your face, given his profile. Um, I'm not 100% sure what's going to run, but one I do like is Seventh Kingdom, uh, for John Gosden, you out Doncaster last time on, on debut. He won very easily from a horse called Longley of Richard Hannon, who talks about quite a lot beforehand. He, do, he, he does these videos on YouTube, I think, for, for Unibet. And he really talked up Longley, so he really fancied him when he came out. And Seventh Kingdom just brushed him aside quite comfortably. Um, he's by Frankel, and he's, he's he hasn't got Frankie on board, so he's, he's probably a bigger price than he should be, I suspect. And I'd be willing to give him, him, him the benefit of the doubt um, as a potential top-notcher to, to overcome Battleground. 7.0 currently on the bet for exchange is Seventh Kingdom with David Egan on board and a confirmed runner. Uh, interesting shout from James. Rory, your thoughts? I also like Seventh Kingdom. Oh, Aidan O'Brien, we're coming for you. <laughs> um, yeah, but James has summed it up um, perfectly. He was... He was um, he was green. Um, he was very much in need of the experience and he still came out um, winning by four lengths. Difficult to, to rate that form at the moment, um, but it might end up looking okay. Uh, as Jim said, um, the, the runner-up was highly regarded. The third um, almost certainly ran into one last time as well. Code Book, who was beaten um, almost seven lengths um, by him on debut, was then beaten the same lengths by a horse called Royal Air Force. Um, of the Christfords, and he might just be um, uh, be a decent sort as well. Uh, Royal Air Force. They, the pair of them were were eight lengths clear of the only other runner in that race, but he was a well-bred uh, son of Golden Golden Horn. He was um, wasn't unfancied in the market for that that uh, Yarmouth novice. So difficult difficult to be adamant about how strong the form is, but I suspect it's okay. Um, and more so, I think that Seventh Kingdom has got an awful lot of improvement in them. Um, you were mentioning Gustav Klimt, weren't you? Weren't yes. You? Um, as a half-sister. That's right. I was just going to say so that. Gustav Klimt. So um, uh, that's, um, uh, that's decent. You know, he's clearly going to want seven furlongs um, and a mile later on this season. Um, 
And it's difficult to be impressive first time out of that kind of trip by, by definition, you know, where, where you're not, you've got a horse that you know will stay a mile um, as a two-year-old and by definition has, has, um, uh, has scope for, for better and is more of a three-year-old. You don't want to be pressing too many buttons early on with them. So uh, often the, the initial runs, um, they just give you a sort of pen picture of what, what basic qualities these horses have. And then you've got to work out how much they're going to improve. And he seems like he's got some, uh, he's got plenty of ability um, and he will improve a lot. So although he has to, he's probably, you know, he'd be a stone behind the favourite, I, sus- I suspect. But, um, you know, there's every chance that we're slightly overrating the uh, the Cheshire form this season um, because of, you know, it's the Cheshire, therefore it, it ends up getting a historical rating. We know how good the Cheshire tends to be, therefore a Cheshire winner should be this kind of horse. I think this year has been, been um, an anomaly as far as that's concerned. And there is a chance that we're... Um, uh, we're overrating Battleground, who's you know certainly bred to be absolutely top notch, mm. and he may well it may well be that the Chesham is in great form on its own, but he ends up being the kind of horse he would have won it anyway. Um, so I'm not not knocking Battleground, but I think the um, um, I think looking at the basic ratings and saying, well, um, this this Seventh Kingdom needs to improve an awful lot. Um, to get on terms of battleground, that might be misleading, um, and I think he's he's certainly going to take a step forward. Um, as I said, battleground may well do as well, and he might be a difficult horse to beat on the day. But um, it's interesting that myself and James are saying the same thing. It very much is battleground. The first fall of found the Ark and Breeders' Cup turf hero, but Seventh Kingdom is the Heroine, one. Thank you. Heroin, indeed, um, and we're talking about heroin as in hero, and not the other stuff. We're not. This isn't the wire. Cop yourself on. Uh, Seventh Kingdom, 8.0 currently on the Bedford Exchange uh, for David Egan and John Gosden. The son of Frankel will hopefully have us on the gravy train. All your old favourites are out and about on Saturday in the Bedford Summer Mile Stakes, the Group 2. Uh, Mohahar <laughs> is out. Century Dream. That's, the correct, that's actually the correct pronunciation. I, I, I was told that that is the correct Arabic yeah. pronunciation by Laura King, <laughs> and she's never wrong. I'm not going to try and pronounce it again, though, because my mouth might fall off. Uh, Scaradu, Maurice Diamond, Zaki, Duke of Hazard, Laura Clitters. Really, all your old favourites are in here. James, solve the puzzle that is the Summer Mile. Ooh, um, I think it's 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 mostly about Mahatha because everyone saw how unlucky he was. They couldn't get a run on the Queen Anne. So you, given the promise he showed at the end of last season and that race, you would hope he would be too good for these and I think the round mile will probably suit him better than the straight mile. He'll be able to hopefully get a bit of cover and, and, and use his turn of foot late. Whether I'm desperate to back him, this is often a funny race that can produce a, a slightly odd winner. And so I'm not sure I'll be steaming into him, but I I, I expect him to win, I suppose. Um, Scardu is interesting because everyone, well, the Haggis has made it quite clear he, he, he needed the run before the race at Ascot, and he still wasn't beaten that far. Um, he showed a lot at the start of his three-year-old season, and if he comes back to that sort of form, again, he's another who's probably going to be ridden prominently, I guess, this time. And, you know, has, has, a, has a good chance if he improves as a four-year-old. But, there's, yeah, there's, it's, it's, as you say, all your old favourites, a lot of ifs and buts around them. And I suspect Mahatha is just that little bit too classy at this stage of his career. I think second favourite is probably going to be Century Dream, but he beat King of Comedy last time, who's just 
one of those horses who doesn't doesn't win. So perhaps could be overrated on that form. Our old friend uh, Dark Vision is out in this race as well, and it's it's possible that they've now. I'm being serious here. It's possible they've actually got the key to him now, and he's a big price. He's about seventeen point oh on the exchange right now. I wouldn't be surprised if he ran a massive race, but the fact that I'm saying that Dark Vision could win this race, Rory, says it all, really. Well, yeah, he just lost his way a little bit last season, um, Dark Vision, and um, his last two runs show that he's he's back to the very best form he was showing as a as a juvenile, and he shouldn't have been capable of what he was capable of as a as a two year old because he was, you know, he was he was too big essentially, but. Um, um, I said, I wonder whether they they really intend to run him in this race because it's a, it's a quick turnaround, only six days. Yeah. Um, from that some uh, that coral challenge at Sandown where um, uh, where he was he was meeting um, the horse that he beat in the in the handicap. So it's it's nice to see that handicap form um, being tested and proven time and again. Um, Montesan turning the tables, but some he wouldn't be out of place obviously in in the race. But I don't think I don't think it's the ideal preparation for uh, for most horses to have um, uh, that kind of um, quick turnaround and he's he's not always handled a quick turnaround particularly well and, and for horses horses of his size don't tend to be the, the the types who want to be run you know very frequently you've got to be super tough um, to do it and I think he probably needs a bit of a break it is a Mark Johnston that. thing to do but he did this last year it back is, in October yes, and you know, Mark, Johnson, Mark Johnston tends to do it with his, with his handicappers mm. and, and he also tends to he's more likely to do it at Goodwood than he is anywhere else as well because it's less punishing track and in that regard um, and you've got to get the right horse for it but you know uh, and of course this, this horse was a very impressive winner at Goodwood as a two year old um, but um, yeah he'd, if, if he hadn't run at the weekend and he was turned out here you know he'd be wanting to be interested in the price but it's, it's yeah. James has, has again got got it spot on. Um, Mahatha was a big eye catcher at Ascot. I liked him a lot last season. Obviously, he missed almost the whole of the year. Um, we were we were keen on him. Um, Anthony else was doing the podcast um, before the Greenham, um, which he won nicely, and then he you know we didn't see him again until Champions Day. Um, so he's he's not had a, much of a chance to show how good he is. But every time we have seen him, he's looked absolutely top notch. Um, and he was, you know, everyone saw uh, what happened. Uh, he was a lot better than the bare results in the, in the Queen Anne. But then again, the Queen Anne was a really messy race in which a lot of horses were better than the bare result because um, they weren't seen to the best effect. But he was probably um, the one who was, who was um, most um, messed around with or, or had the least chance of showing what he could do from, from a poor position on the track. Um, He's liable to be a different proposition altogether, but he's going to be priced accordingly. And again, as James says, it's not—it's a race that can uh, they can throw out the occasional um, odd result. Um, I, uh, are we? We're round course for this, are we? Or are we straight track? I thought it was the round. Yeah, I thought it was the round course. The round. But it doesn't say, sorry. I think it's the round course. Yeah, so I mean, I'm sure it's I'm sure it's the, the round course last season. It doesn't it doesn't say on, on, on my card normally it specifies for these races that ask it that they're if they're on the round course it, it, it will happen in brackets. So yeah. So the, the thing that's the tricky thing about it, it's a rerun of the of the, the Queen Anne to a large degree. But the round course at Ask it rides very differently than the straight course. You get a completely different uh, potentially very different tempo, different way of running things, and it suits different horses as well. So um, you shouldn't make should make too many judgments um, based on that. 
and he's not um, he's not been around the bend very often, has he? <laughs> uh, when I say very often, I mean ever. I don't think he's been around the bend in his life, Mahathir. That's an interesting one, isn't it? Mm. Um, so yeah, yeah, his last two runs have been on the straight track here, um, and then obviously Newbury his previous two runs, and then um, uh, he was started off at um, last well, two season he wasn't racing this kind of trip obviously um, so yeah it's a side question mark for him but it may well it, it might well be that it suits him better yeah, but yeah it's well. a, potentially a trappy race trappy I like the fact that you get in trappy race there towards the end Lord Tennyson at a wild price for me uh, quick note on the Ballysax at Dundalk yes you heard it right the Ballysax at Dundalk the Woodford Reserve Ballysax Group 3 if Galileo Chrome turns up and makes the market for us the Newman for Aidan O'Brien I would hope will be a decent price um, but the final race we'll talk about briefly because we don't have full declarations is the Prix Jean Pratt, which will be live on Sky Sports Racing with last year's superstar Pinatubu bidding to do or to become too darn hot 2.0 and follow his exact pattern, which was drop back in distance for this race, win it, and then go on to Goodwood. Uh, might not be that easy. I'm told Monarch of Egypt runs and I was very taken with his run at Royal Ascot last time out. Um, is this the right move? Rory, because they were talking about we're staying at a mile, we're going to Goodwood, and then all of a sudden they change their minds and come here. Well, they've got the, they've got the option of doing both. They it's, can, it's, yeah. It's quite nice, and that's that's what that's what Tudor and Hot did last year. Won this, and then and then won the Sussex. Um, and just as well, it's just as well he did because he picked up an injury there and didn't see him again. Um, you could argue that if he didn't go to Goodwood, then he wouldn't have got injured, and then you know he'd have been running in the autumn. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, they know that he didn't. The, the 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 story from the camp is that he didn't he didn't truly stay the mile um, at Ascot. He went very well. Everything about him suggested he was exactly the same as last year, um, but he was just running on empty at the end. You know, just the last hundred yards. So they thought, you know, a different, a sharper mile would suit him down to the ground. But obviously, if he's if he's finding a mile, the uh, the limit of his stamina, then dropping back to seven furlongs. Uh, there aren't many opportunities to drop out of seven furlongs for a um, uh, for a prize like this. And of course, the Pichon Prat hasn't has um, it's not that long been been a seven furlong race, has it? When did it when did it first go seven furlong? Because when, when I was a lad, when I was a lad, there were two Pichon Prats in the season back in nineteen dickety do. <laughs> back in the nineteen seventies, probably the eighties as well. There were two different races. There was there was a uh, one that was over one mile seven and a half. One that was over a mile and a furlong. Um, but one of them was for older horses, one of them was for three year olds, so it was an interesting, interesting little dichotomy. Interesting. Uh, but no, there's only one. I sound like um, Highlander. There can Grant, be only Grant one. Simpsons. No, there's only one, Prejean Pratt. When I was a kid, there were two. <laughs> I, th- I thought you were sounding a little bit like the Highlander. There can be only one. <laughs> no. No. Um, yeah, the fact that I want to talk about how many Prejean Pratt that used to be in the calendar tells you. Gives the well, game away, I, Rory. What I, what I feel about the race. It gives um, the it, game this, away. It could be, it, this could be a pivotal race in, in the season in terms of, um, of uh, Pinatubo um, uh, getting back on track. And it's, it's remarkable how similar, how similar the story now is to um, to, to Don Hall last year, and we know that he did. Um, and I'd like to, I'd love to see Pinatubo win this and then be able to go um, to the Sussex, which could be an absolutely fantastic contest. Could be the race of the season. If we get Siskin, Circus Maximus, Pinatubu, Palace Pier, what a race we have in store. Wichita as well, to be fair. Uh, the duel on the Downs. That's never quite worked out, has it? But one, day, one day we will have a duel on the Downs that lives up to its uh, 
um, to its glorious point. title, billing, whatever. Uh, the event returned to Shanti in 1995 and was cut to 1,600 metres and moved to early July in 2005. The distance was reduced further to seven furlongs in 2019 and the event was moved to a new home at Deauville. Thank you, Wikipedia. Literally, literally one year. So there you have it. Uh, thanks to the good folks at Which Wikipedia. Good, I mean, in fairness, we've been, we've been crying out for a mid-season um, group one over, over seven furlongs, although it only, it only suits the three-year-old Colts, so it's no good for... Um, uh, from one master, for example, but um, yeah, it's it's been too long in coming. It was called the Pre Victomis Viger, and then changed to Pre Jean Prat in 1986. I'll go with that. Oh, I'll get Siri to bail me out here, and, and I'll let I'll let her pronounce it for me. Um, hey Siri, can you do this French pronunciation for me, please? Thank you. No, don't do that. Can you ask her to say tarasols as well, which is that? Previcomtes Vigier. I'm not sure if I buy that. Previcomtes Vigier. Yeah, that's about as good as my pronunciation now, in fairness. Uh, James, Pinatubu, dropping back in trip. He's 1.83. Is this a case of he gets his season back on track or would you be keen to take him on? No, I wouldn't be keen to take him on. I think they confirmed Earthlight's going elsewhere. Yes, three. runs earlier on the so card. Yeah, so there's not a lot, I don't think, in his class, even though he hasn't turned into Frankel like people sort of hoped he might. You know, there are very few three-year-olds around who could probably live with him. And uh, I'm not sure there are any in this race. Um, I don't know if Wooded is going to run. I think he, he might. And it seemed like it seemed to me that you couldn't class yourself as a shrewdy unless you were gutted would have didn't want to ask like every, every, everyone put him up and was just devastated by it so I was the only one to put him up on this podcast though yeah, True. yeah I've heard, heard a number of others afterwards yes yeah. um, so he'll be interesting because obviously the people in the know think he's brilliant so we'll see it's going to be a fascinating race best bets for the next few days gentlemen as the top class racing continues James I'll start with you who are you most looking forward to backing can I can I give you in a race we haven't mentioned yet? Yes, of course. At Anything, at any, um, any other business actually? Let's do that first of all. Any other business, yeah. James? On on Friday at Newmarket, three thirty-five, there's a ten furlong handicap, um, and the enemy runs here. And he, the Britannia Stakes was, I thought, essentially a Group Three. It was such a strong, strong race, and enemy was fourth in that over a mile. He was slow. He, he sort of got a bump as he came out of the stalls. He ended up in last, but made up a lot of ground. So. To come to finish fourth, he didn't. He clearly didn't have the pace of the winner because he sort of tracked him through, and Kalusi just got away. Um, but I think this ten furlong trip is going to really suit him now. He's half brother to Magic Wand and Chiquita, who obviously stayed mile and a half from Group One winners. Um, he's very versatile regarding the ground. He was actually my horse to follow in the weekender at the start of this season. Um, I really liked him with the two of them. He won an Ascot quite comfortably, and he's by Mahara, who Roy, is, as you mentioned earlier is giving his, his stock some stamina. I just think 10 furlongs now is when you're going to see him at his best. And in this handicap, um, I really want to follow the Britannia form. And, and in this handicap, I think enemy is going to be difficult to beat. Uh, I suspect he's going to shorten all the time before the race starts. And he's against Kips as well, who's bound to finish second. So that's helpful. <laughs> <laughs> so we have the reverse forecast then as well. So enemy is currently trading well, straight at... Forecast, straight forecast. Straight forecast. Yeah, never, just go for it. Just yeah. it is. It's quite a good race, actually. But uh, as as a whole, but I, I just really like Enemy. I think he's got big future. 
No holding back. Straight in, go for it. Enemy is currently 8.0 on the Betfair exchange. Kips is around about 5.5. So the, the forecast would be good and we got Oshin Murphy on board. Uh, anything else that you'd like to mention, James? I'm not sure. I, I, I suspect it's going to run. There's, there's in, on Saturday at Newmarket, there's a Phillies handicap at 225, like Falk for William Haggis. She shaped really nicely at Yarmouth last time in, in, in a race I quite like the look of. Um, third's set quite a nice standard and they, and they the front three came clear and she was just really mugged by the winner and the previous start she had she was just two lengths behind well on, on race course debut she was just two lengths behind Richetta who's Frankie Rides from the Musadora and I think off her mark she, she's got a good chance in that race it's quite open I like it Roy DeLarge any other business? Oh there will be um, there's almost too much to look at um, I have to say, which makes it um, it's made it difficult for me to look at look at the the handicaps, which I, which I will find very interesting. Um, I very much agree with James's point on enemy, by the way, but I won't jump on top of that one. Um, but um, but it gets the Roy Delargy seal of approval. Certainly gets us the seal of approval here. Well, let's confirm it. So, James, your best bet of the weekend: enemy on Friday. Oh, love it, love it, Rory. Did that buy you enough time? <laughs> It didn't really, it didn't really, um, but um, I, I might just I'll take it back until, until um, tomorrow. I hope the price will I think it will. Um, and so that's like, that's, I think Pocket Square is a, a very solid bet in the Musadora. No, that's, price price is not favourite. That's interesting because I thought you were going to do exactly what James just suggested, that you were going to go with Don Rising, but no, you're with Pocket Square. So all three of us are with Pocket Square. Yeah, well, Don Rising's going to be, Don Rising's going to end up being short. Yes. Yeah, you would that's think the, so. That's the, yeah, I, again, it was the same sort of thinking, um, but it looks like that's, the market's already rethinking that race. Whereas because um, Pocket Square is in the second colours, um, and Frankie's on Richetta. I just, you know, that market's holding up pretty well. Public Square is going to be just sort of five to eleven to four. She might come in a little bit from that, but I don't think. I think Richetta's going to start favourite, and I think that's the wrong way around. But I, I, I think the market will be stubborn enough that it will keep um, Gosden and Frankie at the head of the market rather than Charlton and Watson. And I think that definitely should be the other way around. And the more rain that falls, the better as well. Well, let's do the patent, shall we? We'll get enemy. Pocket square, and the dreams will be crushed. There will be blood in the water and tears all over Twitter when the great hero Pinatubu is once again vanquished as monarch of Egypt storms to victory in France. Go on, the monarch. So good at Royal Ascot. I'm sticking with him. He does it. He does it. He does you, Pinatubu. You're done. You're a has been. A has been, Pinatubu. All your best work was as a juvenile. It's over, son. Uh, don't forget to tune into Monday's show where we will be heaping praise on the glorious return of Pinatubu as he wins his group on as a three-year-old. Uh, seriously, I would back Monarch of Egypt and um, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, a pleasure as always, gentlemen. James Norris. Um, where can we follow you on Twitter? At JP Norris. Excellent stuff. And um, looking forward to having you back on the show again very soon, please God. Roy Delargy, you will probably be putting some of your selections up on the tweet machine as well. So your Twitter handle is? Uh, at Helen, sir. And if you didn't know it by now, 
It's a disgrace. And from me, Emmett Kennedy at Radio Emmett on the Tweet Machine. Uh, that's it. Thank you so much for listening. Um, a lot of fun as we have been bombarded with top class racing, which has been a very good distraction and we've got more top class racing to come. I hope you enjoyed. Thank you for listening. Thanks for all the kind words on social media from James, Rory and myself. We will chat to you on Monday for our review. Will Pinatuba be back in the winner's enclosure? Humble pie for me if he is. Talk to you then. God bless. Will it happen or won't it happen? You can bet on it with the Betfair Exchange. Proud sponsors of the Final Furlong podcast. Have you downloaded the free app, The Races app yet? With easy-to-use race cards and form, expert daily tips, plus video replays and in-app betting, it's the app that no racing fan's phone should be without. Available for free on your iPhone or Android mobile, visit attheracescom forward slash app for more details.